Well, I know I've already said it once before, but I'm going to say it again. Good morning. Good morning. Wow, that's a lot better than zero. Because the first time was zero, but this that was great. I'll tell Pastor Ben that you redeemed yourselves. Well, it is, uh, it's good to be here, and uh, I'm excited about this uh, message today. Um, because I, I've believe that there are probably some of you that feel that at some point in your life God placed a dream inside of you and that that he spoke it to you that he placed it there that that may, maybe it's a desire or an aspiration that you just can't explain and it doesn't make sense to you and and that God has put it there and if you were honest you would have to to say you know what that that dream might be on life support. I mean, it's, it's just barely flickering. It's, it's barely alive. And so today I, I want to really speak to that and, and I want to tell you about someone from scripture that had a dream that God put in her life, in her heart. And uh, that dream um, really was almost dead. And, and I say almost because we're going to see that, that God really came through. We read about her life in the book of Genesis. And I would say that, that 99 times out of 100, when a pastor preaches some of these uh, passages that I'm going to mention today, that they're, they're going to speak about her husband rather than her. And, uh, and so... But today, I, I think for this message, I think that God is, is going to use the wife. And her name is Sarah. Her wife, or her husband, of course, his name is Abraham. But we read in the scripture that God told Abraham, and therefore Sarah, so God did not exclude her from what he told her husband, but he told them to leave home and that God would show them uh, a place, and at that time, Sarah would have been 60 years old, and, uh, and Abraham was 70. Um, God made incredible promises to the both of them when, uh, when Sarah was 65 and when Abraham was 75, and we think of these promises often only in terms of Abraham and what they meant to him. Uh, but the promises were that God was going to make them a great nation, uh, that Abraham would be the father of many nations. It was a patriarchal society, and so everything flowed through the father. And so that's why it's phrased that way. But he said, I'm going to make you a blessing. I will make your name great, that all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And he said, I'm going to give you and your offspring all the land around you that you see, to the north, to the south, to the east and the west. And then he said this, I'm going to give you a son from your own body. And because of their age, this was significant. Sarah's womb had not been opened to this point. She did not have any children. That was considered being cursed by God. You must have done something wrong in your life to make God extremely mad at you. And I, I don't know if, if there's somebody here today or somebody that's watching online, uh, but you feel like you've done something that is so wrong that God could never forgive it and that you are living under a curse. But God has spoken a dream to you. 
And I want you to understand that God loves you, that God is a, a God that cares for you, that he has not cursed you. Sarah, uh, I, I'm sure many times wondered, God, what did I ever do? You might wonder, God, what have I done? Uh, because this dream that I thought you gave me has not been fulfilled. You see, that, that dream was given to her when she was 65 years old, but it didn't, get, it didn't get fulfilled in nine months. It didn't get fulfilled in a year. It didn't get fulfilled in five years or even 10 years. But it was 15 years later when Sarah was 80 and Abraham was 99 that the Lord appeared again. So a 15-year period of time where Sarah continued to wonder, God, is this ever going to happen? Is this dream ever going to be fulfilled? Am I still, I'm living under this curse because all of her society would have agreed with that. All of her society would have spoken into her and said, your value comes through giving birth and particularly to a son. Therefore, your womb is closed. You must be cursed. You must have done something that God cannot forgive. When Sarah is 80 and Abraham is 99, the Lord, he reaffirms it, but still there is no child, there is no son, there is no heir. The Lord appears again. I imagine that Sarah would have been getting tired at this point. God is appearing over and over again and telling them, you're going to have a son, you're going to have a son, and yet nothing is happening. But he appears again nine years later. Sarah is now 89 years old, and Abraham is 99. And he said, Sarah, Abraham, this time next year, you're going to have a son. Sarah, 89 years old, I think she was like, well, like most women would be her age and say, yeah, right. God, you missed it. You missed it. Now, I'm going to tell you something about God. God is rarely early. You get what I'm saying? He's rarely early, but he is never late. It would have been easy for Sarah to think that God was too late. Have you ever thought that maybe God was too late? That God couldn't do what you thought needed to be done? But the whole time you, you realize, hey, this is not about what I think needs to be done. God's going to do what he wants to be done. I can understand that Sarah would have thought about that. In fact, in fact, when she overheard the angel of the Lord speaking to Abraham, the scripture says that she laughed. Have you ever laughed at something that you feel God spoke to you? Yeah, <laughs> Lord, that, that really can't happen. You don't understand. She said, and I, I mentioned this about a month ago, that she, she said to the Lord, I am worn out, okay? Have you ever felt worn out? Anybody here ever felt, do you feel, like yesterday, did you, as recently as that, you got up this morning and said, I'm just worn out from shoveling, I am worn out from blowing snow, I think we're done. You know, somebody texted me the other day because I got kind of smart-alecky a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, we're at this point, let's just set a record, and I said, bring it on, do you remember when I said that? They asked me to take it back. You're just worn out. She said, I'm worn out, and my husband, in case you haven't noticed, is an old man. 
She is telling God the reasons why this dream cannot be fulfilled. She is telling God, listen, God, you are too late. But a year later, when Abraham was a nice round age of 100 and Sarah was 90, they welcomed into this world a bouncing baby boy named Isaac. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How can you, I want you to put you in Sarah's place, how can you keep that dream alive? God spoke it to Sarah. She kept it in her heart. He spoke it to her. She held on to it, but it was from 65 until 90 years of age. So 25 years. And we're not talking about like, you know, God speaks it to you at at 20, okay? And then he fulfills it at 45, okay? We're talking, we're talking, it's, this is more toward the end, okay? And the, the, the promise is that he's going, you're going to have a son. So we're thinking that this is impossible. How do we keep the dream that God has placed in our hearts? How do we keep it alive? This morning I want to give you five things that you can do. In fact, I'll say you must do them in order to keep that dream alive that you're thinking, you know what, this dream is almost dead. Number one, if you're taking notes, I think this is good. I think you're going to want to refer back to this. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Number one is see it. The first thing you have to do is see it. So Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Abram, which we know becomes Abraham, uh, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you, here it is, into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Can you imagine God telling you to leave your home, to leave your extended family and to go someplace that you have no idea where it is. That was my life 16 years ago when we left Erie, Pennsylvania and we came to Marquette. Lord, you want me to go where? What is this place? Uh, I'd been here once. I'd been here once when I was a kid. Well, twice. I'd been, and and the, the first time was for a wedding when I was 10 years old. I had never seen so many leaves on the ground in my entire life. That was a, that was a, a prophetic forerunner of, of the leaves that I would have to rake while I'm here. And then I, I visited my brother when he lived in Nagani, and I could not believe the amount of snow. Those were my two visits beforehand. But can you imagine that? Sarah, I, I think she would have done what most of us would do, and she would ask her husband, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we moving? Well, Abraham said God promised that he's going to bless us. He's going to make us into a great nation. We're going to be a blessing to other nations. And again, I think the natural thing for Sarah to do is to ask more questions. Where are we going to live? Right, wives? Would you do that? Where are we going to live? You got this bright idea. What's going to ha- where are we going to live? You know, you think we're going to go do this. Well, where are we going to live? How are we going to survive? Where will you get a job? 
It's just a series of questions because Sarah wanted to know. I'm sure that she was struggling to see it because God had to appear numerous times to Abraham before Abraham, I think, really got it into his spirit. And a lot of this, Sarah is getting through her husband. She may not have had all of those direct encounters with God the way that Abraham did. So once they arrive in Canaan, God reiterates the promise both to Abraham and Sarah, and they respond the way many of us would. They've been waiting for this promise to come true for literally years and years, and it hasn't come, and God reiterates his promise and said, you're going to be the father of, a, of, a, of many nations. You're going to bless the world through your, 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 your people. And they said, we, we, we don't have any children. I think they said what most of us would. We, would. we would point out the obvious, wouldn't we? That's exactly what she did. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15. But Abram said in verse 15, verses 2 to 5, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham is concerned. There's no one to inherit all that God has blessed him with. You see, God was fulfilling part of the promise right off the bat. He was blessing Abraham incredibly, and he was a man that was very wealthy, but yet part of that promise for a son and to be a blessing and to be a father of many nations, that had not come true yet. In fact, Abraham already knew who was going to inherit all of his wealth. And it was a man named Eleazar who happened to be the number one, the, the oldest man in the family line. Eleazar of Damascus was going to stand to inherit all Abraham's wealth. It would not be passed down through, uh, through a, a son at this point because he didn't have any. So God takes him outside. He has him look up into the sky. And look at the stars. Why? Because Abraham couldn't see it. And God had to give him something to look at. He had to give him something to see, to make a correlation. He said, when I tell you that you're going to be the father of many nations, that your offspring are going to be many, let me give you something to look at. See those stars. If you can count those stars, that would be like counting your your family members. That would be like counting your offspring. So when God has given us a dream, it can often be very difficult to comprehend because there is yet no physical manifestation of that promise. We can't see it. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says this, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Who's he talking about? Abraham. Paul is writing about Abraham. And here's what he said. He is our father. Paul is saying, Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. 
the God who gives life to the dead, okay, who was dead? Abraham and Sarah were as good as dead, right? The dream was almost dead. Look at what he says. And calls into being things that are not. If you want to keep the dream alive, you need to be willing to see what is not there. Are you with me? Do you get where I'm going? You've got to be able to see it even if it isn't there. And if God has to take you outside and say, look at the stars in the sky, that's what I'm talking about. He can do that. But in order for that dream to stay alive, we've got to be able to see it. Secondly, we've got to believe it. Even though Abraham struggled to see it, he decided to believe it. That's a good statement. Even though he struggled to see it, he decided to believe it. So Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, we read this. Abram believed the Lord. Then into chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, he says to Abram, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. Okay, now Abraham's laughing. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Abraham is wrestling with his unbelief while proclaiming at the exact same time that he believes. And we read that and we're like, well, man, that's a pretty big, you know, inconsistency in Abraham's life. But let me tell you something. Sometimes that's what we have to do. Have you ever struggled to believe God for that dream that he's placed in your heart that it will come true while at the same time saying, God, I believe? You see, it's okay. It's okay to struggle and say, I believe at the same time. In Mark chapter 9, the disciples brought a man to Jesus. His son was demon-possessed, and, and he, the, the father wanted his son to be, to be healed and to be delivered. And the man said, but if you can do anything, Jesus, take pity on us and help us. And in verse 23 of Mark 9, Jesus says this, and Jesus is kind of indignant here. He's kind of ticked off. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. There are going to be some days where you say exactly the same thing, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, and it's okay to do that. Are you with me? It's okay to do that. You might be you might be trusting God that the dream that he placed in your heart, that it's going to come to pass, but it hasn't, and you're, you're struggling with that, and yet at the same time you say, Lord, I, I believe. You see, sometimes we've got to say it first. Maxwell, I love the statement that he, he says, he said, fake it till you make it, and he's not saying that we should be inauthentic. What he's saying is sometimes you've got to say something first in order to get your head and your heart moving in the same direction and your mouth will lead the way, okay? Sometimes you've got to say it and you've got to hear yourself say it. 
And that's going to be what begins to spring you forward to the point where you believe it. Number three, you've got to birth it. This dream that God has given you that you might feel like is on life support, you've got, you've, you've got to birth that dream, okay? Now, ladies, you know that there's no, there's no real shortcut to giving birth, right? Right? Somebody say amen. I, I mean, I sat through three of them. I, I, I'm pretty sure there's no shortcut. And some, some smart-alecky man might say, well, there's a C-section, you know. <laughs> uh, we have a, a friend that had a baby a couple years ago and almost died after having a C-section. That's not a shortcut. You know, it's different, but it's not a shortcut, you know. There's no shortcut. There's no easy way for having a baby. But Sarah had this great idea. Any of you, have you ever had a great idea? Have you ever had a great idea? You thought it was a marvelous idea. Come on. You, you guys are laughing, but some of you are like trying to really be serious like you've never had that happen. She had this great idea. And, and since God's promise was taking a long time, she thought she would help God along. Don't ever offer to help God along. Don't ever, don't, Lord, I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot happening, so I got this one. I'll make this dream happen myself. That's sort of what she was saying. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. We know, we know that. That's the situation. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Ladies, do not go this direction, okay? Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Do you see what she was doing? God, you've given me a promise. It's not happening. Time is going by. I don't think it's going to come true. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. That's a dangerous place to be. There are going to be times when you are tempted to want to help God along to bring this dream to pass. But those plans can never, they'll never accomplish God's plan. They're never going to do what God intends them to do. In order to keep that dream given to you by God, to keep it alive, you're going to have to follow it through God's way. There's no shortcuts. And friends, giving birth is terribly difficult, it's uncomfortable, it's painful. But the only way a baby comes into this world is by birthing it. I remember when we were in the delivery room for the second time in our lives, our daughter Becca was about to be born. And um, they, they had done something to, uh, to you know, bring, get these uh, labor pains ramped up, you know. It's called Pitocin. And what I would, you know, use to describe that drug is, is like a car that goes from zero to 60 in two seconds. That's what Pitocin can do. It, sometimes it, it, it's not always successful, but like you go from, from no labor to 
you're in serious labor. And that's that, that, you know, I remember my wife getting, you know, to that point very quickly. And so they took us into the delivery room and this is in the Milwaukee area. And, and, um, and so, uh, everything is set, you know, there, the nurse is there and, and my wife is on the gurney and I'm beside, you know, the, the her bed and, and boy, we're, th- this is, this is ramping up. And the nurse starts saying, Mrs. Taylor, do not push. Now, I thought the whole object is to get to the point where you push, okay? That's just me. But she's saying, Mrs. Taylor, do not push. The doctor is not in the room, right? That's what they said. (laughs) And I can only imagine what she was saying at that time, but the Lord has probably washed my memory of some of those those things that my very innocent wife might have been saying at that time that point in time but it was probably something like get this thing out of me now okay and so literally I'm they are they are telling her do not push do not push the door swings open it's the doctor the doctor walks in with his arms out into his gown into his gloves and goes catch just like that I mean that's the fastest money I've ever seen a doctor make in my life He wasn't in that room 10 seconds from the time he walked through the door to the time that little girl was in his, the palms of his hands. It happened that fast. When God places a dream in your heart, it's going to be your responsibility to carry that dream, to allow it to incubate in your heart until it comes time for it to be born in reality. You're going to have to protect it and nurture it as it grows within you. There's no shortcut. There's no other way of doing it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, I'm taking some liberty with these, this verse, but he said, however, as it is written, no eye has seen No ear has heard and no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. I think that that the dream that God has placed within us, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We don't know exactly what it's going to sound like, but he's given it to us to carry, to nurture, to, to, to just incubate in our hearts. And, and it's so, it's unimaginable how wonderful it will be when it comes to pass it's literally going to be amazing but you got to birth it number four you got to work it genesis chapter 17 abraham's 99 years old when god appears to him again genesis 18 god appears one more time and 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 says to abraham and sari tells them that next year sarah's going to give birth to a son chapter 18 verse 12 it says so sarah laughed to herself as she thought i'm i'm worn out my lord is old Uh, will i now have this pleasure she was still struggling still struggling to believe that god was going to bring about this dream abraham believes but but it's sarah who's going to have to do the work friends i need you to understand that sarah's the one who's going to do the work of carrying the child there's no other way around it but i want you to know something god god worked to create you and he created you to work okay that's what he's done. And, and this dream that he has put in your heart, you're going to carry it, but you're also going to work it. He created you that way. And God has chosen to work through people to expand 
his kingdom. The God, the, the dream that he's given you, it's part of his ultimate plan, and it's his desire that you and I, through the power of his Holy Spirit, we work to achieve that dream for his glory. In John chapter 5, verse 17, the Jews, it says, were angry because Jesus was healing on the Sabbath day. He healed a man that had been an invalid for 38 years. So verse 17, it says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I am working too. So if God is working, and if Jesus is working, doesn't it make sense that we will be responsible for working on the dream that he ultimately has given us? You see, Sarah didn't stop working the moment that the dream became realized. In fact, the work really just gets started when you have that little one, right? You know what I'm saying? Everyone who's a parent, that, you know, you look back on those years of pregnancy and you're like, man, those were awesome. Those were awesome months, you know, when you were pregnant and they couldn't run around and they couldn't make a mess and, and, and it was just all encapsulated, you know. But when that dream is birthed, that's when the real work begins. That's when it really starts. John chapter 4, Jesus said, or John chapter 9, verse 4, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. When no one can work. So we've got to work on that dream that God has ultimately given to us. And number five, and I close with this, we've got to embrace it. In Genesis chapter 21, Sarah gives birth to a son at the age of 90. They name him Isaac. In chapter 21, verses 6 and 7, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Sarah was still laughing after the birth, okay? She laughed beforehand. Now she's laughing afterwards. Why? Because it's funny. You guys are so serious. It's funny, okay? Are, is it nobody's here 90 are you <laughs> uh, come on a 90 year old woman having a baby is that not funny that is funny and she knew it was funny and she knew other people thought it was funny she laughed they named him Isaac it means laughter you get that right it was funny that's, 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 that's what she was, she, she literally, she laughed. Everyone who hears this, she said, will laugh with me. Why? Because it's funny that a 90-year-old woman would have a baby. And yet that's what happened. And she added, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah, to, to Abraham rather, that Sarah would nurse children? Some 90 I'm not going to have a baby. I'm not going to nurse children, but that's the blessing that God gave to her. Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. She embraced the impossible dream that God placed in her heart. She held that baby. She embraced the dream. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Bringing about the miracle of a 90-year-old woman having a baby is anything to... If he can do that, I suppose he can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him, but sometimes we do things, okay? Nothing is too hard for him, but sometimes we do things that kill the dream. 
Are you with me? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we have we have behavioral and thought patterns that will kill the dream. I ran across a wonderful article. It's called Seven Powerful Beliefs That Are Killing Your Dreams. This is things that you and I can do if we believe them that will kill the dream that God has put in our hearts. I want to give them to you really quickly. If you're taking notes, I think this is something that you could rely on, something that you can look back on. Number one, this will kill your dream. I'm not ready. You're not going to wake up one day and feel like you're ready, okay? You might as well start now. Start now. You're, you're not going to wake up one day and just feel like you're ready. So don't, don't say that to yourself. Number two, I don't know how. Man, I, as I, I was reading, I'm like, wow, this, I, I, can, I can hear people's voices actually saying this. We don't know how. All you really need, though, is the next step, right? You don't have to. We want the whole plan, don't we? We want God to show us from front to back. And you know what he wants us to do? Just do what I've told you so far. Just do the next step. And then you'll, he'll show us the next step after that. Number three, it's been done. Oh, God put that same dream in my heart, but now it's already been done. Wait a second. Are you, are you kidding me that, that literally now you can't do what God has put in your heart because you think that someone else has already done it? But I want you to know something. God has uniquely gifted you. You are different than anyone else. And when that dream is birthed and when it comes alive through you, it's going to look different because you are different. Okay? You're different. That, that dream, the accomplishment of it is going to be amazing because you're so different. Number four. Who am I to do that? If God placed a dream in you, who are you to argue with him? So don't, don't say, who am I? Say, who is he? Because he's put it there. Number five, it's too late. You say, maybe, maybe it's, I'm too old. How about this one? I've made too many mistakes. Ooh, that man, that's, I can, I can hear people saying that. Pastor, I, I've just I've blown it too many times. The the dream is just it's too far gone. It'll never be able to happen. You know what? I want you to know that even if you've wasted a lot of time, don't look at the time you've wasted, but really say to yourself, you know what? It's never too late to start. Number six, I'm not enough. You know what? You're right. You're not enough. But Jesus is enough. His strength is enough for you. You can do all things through his strength. You aren't enough, but Jesus is. And number seven, I don't have time. What we really should be saying is we don't have time to waste. So we need to get started. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 Paul says this, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. That included Sarah. Her body, as good as dead. The dream, as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. They had every excuse in the book to, 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 to say that God, this dream can never come to pass. They, they had every excuse in the book because of their age. 
I believe that there are a lot of people that you have been nursing a God dream in your heart. Some of you, maybe it's been not just years, maybe it's even been decades, but God has has put that in there and you've been holding it, you've been you've been cradling it and it's there, but but you're worried that it's just, you know, it's just you don't know if it's gonna come to pass. And you might say, you know, that dream is almost dead in me. But God wants to breathe life back into that today. He wants you to see it. He wants you to believe it. He wants you to birth it. He wants you to work it. And he wants you to embrace it. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I believe that the God dream that he's placed inside of you, that you feel like, man, it's, it's just been too long. I just, I don't know if that thing is even still alive. I, I believe this morning God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to just breathe on that dream like you would, you would blow on, a, on an ember and you just see it begin to come back to life. You would see even a, a flicker of flame come off of it. I believe that that's what he wants to do in your heart today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Father, I, I can't see into the hearts of these people. But Lord, I, I believe that you have, you have given that, that dream to some that are in this, in this room right now. You've given them that God dream. You have spoken it into their hearts. Lord, they, if they're honest, they would say, you know, it's been so long, I just, I just don't know if it's still there. Father, I pray that right now that you would begin that you would begin breathing by your Holy Spirit. Breathe on that dream. Literally cause it to come back to life. Father, do what, what I can't do, what the music can't do, what no one but the Holy Spirit can do, and that is bring that dream back to life.